This will cheer you up, moth individual. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Is the Mothman Prophecies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the erstwhile luminescent, luminous, uh, incandescent, candescent Justin Waddell. How's it going, Justin? It's pretty good, Nick. It's pretty good. I don't think anything has ever been considered candescent. I kind of like it. I don't know. I'll have to look it up, right? Yeah, man. Candescent. Sounds like it. Well, thing? the only thing I, that would be a good way to describe Neil Marshall was that why Candescent? Why? Because he directed it, right? Directed what? Descent. <laughs> okay. See, he can. Yeah, he, he can. can. Descent. He did. <laughs> his career can as well. Yeah, his super descent. Actually, he's doing better now than he's ever done. Thanks what to the Game of Thrones in this. Well, his last movie, his last theatrical was a um Well, I mean, what, let's wait until it comes to theaters. Talking about Hellboy? <laughs> let's wait and see how it does. But he has a new movie, movie on the horizon, and his new MO, his priority, is to cast his girlfriend in everything. That seems to be his his number one. Mia Jovovich? No. That's Who, I don't know her. I don't know. Wait. Well, that was his girlfriend? It was his wife, right? No. He used to be with her. No, no, no. She's married to Paul W.S. White's, you know, Anderson. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I get those two confused a lot. How are you? How are you not on the up and up on the on Neil Marshall's love life? Is he with Sherry Moon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She. He's with an actress that was mired in controversy. Remember, like she. She was with some studio exec. I don't. I don't oh, right, know right, right, about yeah. the story, but, um, but he's that's that's his uh, his lady, you know. Back off, all other gentlemen. It's Neil Marshall's lady. So, you know, this is the part of the show where we basically kind of catch up. Justin, have you been dodging COVID? I have been dodging COVID, but COVID is getting harder to dodge out there, Nick. Nah, it's on, not, it's having, not it's for you. A, it's having an uptick. What do you mean not for me? Because I because I quarantine in my house still. Yeah, you're like a hermetically sealed ET over there. <laughs> I ventured out the other day. Yeah, but you didn't touch anybody and you didn't look at anybody. You were like breathing through your mask and keeping mm-hmm. it real. I took three steps. And thank st- you, Lowell George, in this. <laughs> what is that? And that's not a that's not a little feet song. Never mind. I think that's a Grateful Dead. But anyway, 
But yeah, I, I have been getting out a little bit more, but I guess that's not exactly the time to do it. There's warning I, signs all over the place, but you're not paying heed, right? You're, I'm you're, always wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. I'm not touching anybody. What else? What else are you doing though? Are you wearing clothes? I'm super clothed and I'm very cognizant of the bastards mm -hmm. and I'm doing it right, man. I'm not, you know, here's the thing like COVID. The thing that makes COVID strong is the fear. So if you, if you're cowering in your house, mm -hmm. COVID wins. If you hang out in large groups, COVID wins. But if you mm -hmm. are a cagey guy with your shit on a swivel with a mask, being mm -hmm. smart, out there living the dream, I think right. COVID weakens. I think that COVID hates that. Yeah. Yeah. Is so. this a direct quote from Dr. Fauci? Is that what's happening? Is that, are you reading exactly what he said? It's actually a direct quote from Dr. Giggles. <laughs> um, yeah. What was that Jeffrey Combs movie? It was like Dr. Mordred. Oh, I don't know about that. Let me ask you a question. Uh, COVID specific. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen Tenet yet? No, I'm just kidding. How many masks do you have? Can you, I have can you count them? Probably 15. Oof. And is, is your mask collection growing? That's what I want to know. I plan on acquiring a few more. Now, I don't feel like I've hit my, um, my best mask yet. I've been looking. See, here's here's something. Here's this. I feel pretty deeply about this. Mm -hmm. I don't like people who are identified by their masks. What does that mean? People who have to make a statement with their mask, mm -hmm. whether it be oh, okay, like if they have their favorite college affiliation, or if they've got some sort of a creature on it, or if it's they're trying to be cute with it. You know, you want a, like an unfancy mask. I want a. I want. I don't want the mask to be uh, just another another back of your car or your yard or your shirt. I, you know, people already externalize too much of their of their fandom instead of just being a person and letting their personality kind of dictate how people take them in right. the masks. I've noticed the masks lately. People are really pushing too hard to have a clever mask. I feel like this is a direct comment on my Rebecca Gayhart mask that I wear sometimes. Is it her booking photo? <laughs> it is her headshot from urban legend. Nice. No, that's that fine. She, that's she fine. in that. I'm is she sure. in urban legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just wondered, so you don't like, I, I feel, I feel like you get away with like a creature from the black lagoon mask or something. You, I, that, I could, but, but you, I'd rather somebody gets to know me and then realize I like creature from the black lagoon organically. I mean, right. I have a sweatshirt of it, but I don't wear it a ton mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, I've become yeah, I really, thought... really, uh, I, I've got a problem actually now. I think it's, I, I'm almost afraid to wear anything that's hyping something. Cause I feel like it's mm -hmm. just a cop out. So you don't wear that mask anymore that says dump them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a big picture, a picture of, uh, you know what you put on our Instagram. Yeah. Boobies. yeah. Mm -hmm. So guys, thank you for listening. Uh, I really appreciate the singular comment we got on the last one from Doug. Thank you. Oh, we got a couple. We got some on our Instagram too. Thank you. On our Instagram, true. Mm -hmm. But that Trouble City thing is a useless animal. But I'm happy with what we're doing. I think we're doing great work. I think we're really speaking to truth to power mm -hmm. and uh, delivering. And I don't expect this to be any different, to be honest. Moth Mothman? <laughs> no. I think we got our finger on the pulse. Uh, and, you know, we're we're kind of digging into these movies that 
people are just like, wow, that's these are the classics. You know, these are what we've been waiting to hear talked about for two hours straight. Well, you know? I mean, the thing is, I've been reading online and I've been on Reddit. And, and uh, the one thing I've noticed uh, is people saying we need a really woke Mothman episode. <laughs> we need someone to dig into the hot coals of Mothman prophecies, yeah. you know, or what do they call that? Uh, when you walk across coals, what is that? Firewalk, right? I guess what is, so. it? is that ashram. I don't know what it is, but it's something like that. We, we want someone to firewalk across the Mothman, Mothman prophecies. Is that sounds good. Yeah. It sounds great. Actually. Mm -hmm. Is that what twin peaks was about? The movie? I hope so. Maybe firewalk across the Mothman. Um, Anything else interesting going on? We lost Alec Trebek today. That's that's upsetting, but we knew it was happening. Do you call him Alec? Alex. <laughs> there was only one of them, so I called him Alec. Now there's none of him. Yeah, uh, he was 80 years old. Um, you know, obviously a very popular figure uh, over the years. He's been around forever doing that show. Right. So it's hard to uh, think of. Uh, game shows without him his presence yeah yeah I, it's too bad did um, anybody crack out what is the grave joke yet <sighs> i don't think so cool uh did did you did you see that uh i i had put on twitter you know my popular twitter handle yeah uh my account i put a link to the x-files episode a clip that he was on That's remember right. when he played himself as yeah. a man, men in black man yeah. in black yeah mm-hmm mm -hmm. Very fun little cameo. He was a good one. I, I, he'll be missed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, we've, I told you there's going to be another big one. I hope I was right. I hope that's it. I hope that's the last 2020 takes from us. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing about Alex Trebek and you. You guys have something in common, I think. Great hosts. Very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. A little salt and pepper going on. What else? Shamed you for a wrong answer. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you guys both have that quality. Okay. Revels in, revels in, uh, you know, someone saying the wrong answer and then won't let it go. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's, I think you guys have that in common. Okay. So I, both, and both Canadian. Great. I thought you were going to say something nice. You did not. <laughs> so guys, it's the movie microscope. It's the show where we zoom in. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, you know, we, we watch a film with a set of molecular eyes. We, we kind of really rip in and rip out and rip under. And then we catch the wave and we ride the red crest until we're completely soaked. And then we skim through the surf and we look at what's in there. And whatever makes or breaks makes its way in. And we discussed that with you. So if we we're talking about Palookaville, we can talk about the scene where Vincent Gallo takes a taxi ride with a completely deflated Goodyear blimp. Talk about the little moments. Do you want to hear a story about the Goodyear blimp, Nick? Sure. When I was a child, have I said this on the show before? When I was a child, I was at home sick, I think. And my mom was with me in Pennsylvania. Uh, Mars, PA, by the way. That's where I, where I was. I lived at Mars, PA. And the Goodyear blimp flew over our neighborhood at a very low altitude. Like very scary, scarily, <laughs> scarily low. Um, I remember it as if it were yesterday. Um, and so I waved, we waved to them, but it was very loud and scary. Wow. 
almost touched the rooftops from my memory. It's probably wrong, but anyway, that is my brush with fame. You can certainly edit it out. I thought my favorite uh, performance uh, mm -hmm. was in Fistful of, of Dollars, I think. No, it might have been actually in Enter the Dragon. That was my favorite performance. With what? Of Scarily Low. <laughs> Do you know the Goodyear blimp not allowed to fly this year, Nick? Why? Bad year? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> not allowed to fly this year. <laughs> I feel bad for every other blimp. Why? Because it gets all the press. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd, I'd hate to be a, the, the other blimp. Mm -hmm. You know? That'd be a there's, good movie, actually. Like, The Other Blimp. There's got to be blimp, blimp connoisseurs in the United States and across yeah. the world. You know, there's got to be an exclusive, you know, people trying to keep that torch alive. I, I wonder if we should dig in a little bit and, you know, enter that world a little, you know. Yeah, like, like we'll just type in blimp porn and see what comes up. It's such a great word. Blimp. And, and, and honestly... I would actually agree that there is a fetish for it, and to an, not a fetish, but a fascination. Because mm -hmm. whenever I see a hot air balloon, I'm still staggered. It's it's like I drop everything I'm doing. I'll drive my car into places I'm not supposed to go just to follow the mm -hmm. the trajectory of a blimp of a hot air balloon. They're fun to see. They're neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever been up in one? I have not. I would love to. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not sure if I have. I don't think I've ever been up in one, but I might have been in the basket where it kind of raises up a little bit, but still tethered to the ground like a, you know, a safety balloon yeah. sort of, you know. I have, uh, I have photographs of my house from a hot air balloon. Okay. Because somebody I know went up in one and took a photo of my house. Uh, okay. They just did that. Get your request, or they did it to surprise you. They, they did it as a like, hey, dig this. I was up in a in a hot air balloon, and here's what I saw. Your house. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, blimp or balloon for you? Definitely balloon. Yeah. A blimp. I just think of the Hindenburg. Yeah. A balloon. I I have no fear. Do you think if the Hindenburg wouldn't have happened, there would be blimps everywhere these days? Like Absolutely. It would, yeah. They'd be, they'd be blimp heavy. The the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, big blimpin, but kind of a linchpin of steampunk blimps. Man, you <laughs> fucking cut right to the core. <laughs> so, if I zoom in, tell me about your experience with the Mothman prophecies. One of the early Chud screenings, I will say this: I saw it in the theater um, with a friend of mine in, I believe, in Boston, maybe. I think in Boston somewhere. Yeah, I think I was in Boston. I'd like to think that you were in Atlanta and you went to Boston to see Mothman Prophecy. So with a friend and his wife and we saw the Mothman Prophecies and I thought it was pretty good. We all kind of liked it. But the only thing I really remember, I've seen it a couple of times since. So I do remember more. But the only thing I used to remember from it was the scene where he uh, unplugs the phone from his wall. And then it rings anyway. Yeah. And I remember thinking if that actually happened to me, it wouldn't probably wouldn't be that scary because it just happens so much in movies. It does or happen a lot in movies, yeah. but it, I, I would be freaked out because it does defy uh, everything that Mr. Graham Bell did. You know, <laughs> a sentence I thought I'd hear tonight. <laughs> 
Who is the Italian guy that apparently did it first? Vespucci? I hope so. There's a there's an Italian guy who apparently beat Graham Bell to the punch. I think it was Vespucci was his name. Yeah? Yeah. So he was he was uh Miyuchi, you idiot. So what was remember the first the first thing that was said over the phone? Yeah, that's a big that's a big trivia thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It said uh, dump them out. <laughs> I thought it was like uh, I got five on it. No, what 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 it was? It was like can you? I'm hear not me? sure. I hope it was like hello. You know, like yeah. um, no, I think is, it's, it's is Jerry there? You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's the only thing I remember. So you went to a chud screen. So you did, were, did you speak before the movie? Do you remember this? Of course or? I did. Yeah. But you know, here's here's what's great, and, and mm-hmm. people aren't prescient enough to think about this in advance. Let's say you're creating an invention that's going to change the world. And I guess, let's say it's Graham Bell. Let's say he knew that this was going to change the world. Wouldn't you have some fun so that a kid's in like a second grade class or learning about the telephone and the teacher is forced to say, you know what the first thing he said was, I want to smell your dick and balls. That'd be great if a teacher had to, you know, like you're looking at a textbook and question, you know, like... Like they have an oral quiz and the kid has to say, I want to see your dick and balls or smell them. Mm-hmm. Or he says, I want to see him. And then he gets an F because it's smell them. <laughs> you got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I could, that could, <clears throat> I imagine history would have changed it as it does a lot of times for unpleasantries. Right. So it would have changed yeah. it to at least, um, you know, something you're, I don't know, Franken beans. Yeah, it'd be great if if the okay. So we everybody knows what the first sentence was. What if the second mm-hmm. one, second line, person on the other end goes, "Is this a secure line?" and then hung up. <laughs> Talk about thinking ahead, you know. Yeah, I want to know who invented the first burner phone. He's more important than Alexander. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. People, I I'm gonna zoom in real quick. People like their phones, you know. <laughs> a deep pull and it's funny i've been watching a lot of movies lately that feature pagers Mm -hmm. which i never had i never had a pager either yeah um pagers like it seemed like pagers were a thing and then instantly made fun of like after you had a small brief shelf life but i could be wrong i mean maybe it was like more of a big city thing you know, and we weren't right in the age group when that. Well, I think it was also profession driven too, like cops. Of course, and, yeah. You know, doctors and you know, mm-hmm. tarot card readers and stuff. But uh, someone wants to get a hold of you, they they blast your pager, and then you have to find a phone to call them back. That's yeah. how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the per the first <laughs> pager message was? I think it'd be great if it was something stupid, you know, like buckets of hair. I mean, can they only send a number? Like, I don't know how pagers work. I, we'll have to dig into this. Oh, that's true. It wasn't <laughs> that might interfere with buckets of hair. I guess they could, if it's just numbers, they could still get away with spelling like, you know, hell or something like hold like a calculator. I think it'd be kind of cute if we re if we brought the pager mm-hmm. back just for emojis. I think people, the way people looked at pagers is always cool to me. You know, like they got to hold them out like kind of like this in front of their eyes and just kind of. Well, yeah, they would reach at their belt and they'd look at it and then they'd rush off like Superman. Right. I just think that's it. I wish there would be a device, uh, you know, that you could still just hold out in front of you and kind of look down at. 
Like other, cool. than your, other than your phone and smartwatch. And I think it'd be cool as shit if you're, you know, you're at like a steakhouse, really beautiful mm-hmm. steakhouse, elegant, everybody's dressed out. And uh, table next to you, guy's in a lab coat, fucking pager goes off. He looks at it and darts out. Right. Steak gets cold. He comes back and you lean over here. Hey, sir, everything okay? He goes, yeah, buckets of hair. <laughs> be cool. I wonder if there, maybe pages are still, you think they're still rolling around? Somebody won't refuses to give up pager my my aunt remember um what was the the company that blackberry but what was the other one before that motorola no the you know the handheld that with the with the stylus oh my god yeah i know you're talking what what i can't remember the name of it (sighs) anyway way before ipads and stuff like that she whenever those went out of business she was still in palm pilot you idiot like she bought a bunch off ebay you know she still wanted to Rock those. I can't not remember the Newton, called. Not the Newton. Something else. Yeah, it was like green. I had one too. It hooked up to your computer. I just can't remember what it's called. Because I had I had all that dog as well. Mm-hmm. But they were dumb. Oh, yeah, you're right. There was one piece of asshole that was really. Yeah, it was like green. Everybody had one. Like it was a popular item for a long time. Hmm. <sighs> I wish I could remember it. So long ago. Anyway, also so long ago, what year was the Mothman Prophecies released? I don't remember. I don't either. 2000s? Has to be. Let's say 2001, 2002. It was was one of the first Laura Lenny's for sure. It was after Congo, though. Um, I'm going to ask you something real quick up front. Has Laura Lenny ever been bad in anything that you can think of? She's been in plenty of bad things, but no. She's She's actually one of the things I noticed in this film is she really gave way more than the film deserved in one scene. We'll get to that, but she gave way too much. 2002's The Mothman. I think this may be our first 2002 film. You know, eventually we had to get to that year. It feels right. What were you doing? 2002. Chad was in its heyday. Yeah. I think I joined by then. Yeah. You joined in, I think 2000. Something like that. So, I mean, we, we you know, 9-11 had already happened. Zoom in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the world was still kind of, what do we do? And then Mothman came out. We're like, oh, we know what to do. Yeah, like, how old was Justin in 2002? Well, I was either, let me just say this. I was either 29 or 30. Yeah. How about I, you? you? I was, were a, ripe, I was a ripe yeah. 30. Well, it depended on when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I, I if I would have known now what I knew then, man, I would not have done that that shit. You know what I'm talking about. You think the Mothman could have warned us about this year, you know, if it was really because that's the thing about this movie is it is based on true occurrences. True uh opinions of things. Well, like you know, that. like something happenings that people, you know, thought they saw an entity that, that uh, obviously a tragic accident happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where this movie is set. Um, it is based on uh, paranormal occurrences now it's a matter of opinion if these uh, occurrences actually happened you sound like you're a skeptical yeah i'm sorry a skeptic and a skeptical it's hard not to be so there's this weird there's an extraterrestrial element to some of the mothman uh storytelling not in this movie mm-hmm. as much as in the lore that actually permeates everywhere it's still going people mm-hmm. love them some mothman my daughter loves her some mothman 
Does she I'm, watch this movie? No, she doesn't watch the movie, and I'm glad she didn't because she wouldn't have gotten her fix on on Mothman related stuff. I like gonna, the, I like the creature. I think this movie benefits a lot from the director Mark uh, Pellington, who is a video director. I think that's his trade, right? I think he mostly does music videos. I could be wrong. No, you're right. You're right. He did, and he did Allington Road, which was quite good. He's like a visual guy, very visual guy, and I think he really makes this movie eerie for uh, you know the way he shoots it, the way he kind of conceptualizes things in it. Um, I like this movie. I think it's I think it's a a movie that's there's not a whole lot of movies like it. Um, there's a lot of style, it, and it actually holds up well the mm-hmm. style of it. But it's very he 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 loves that tilt shift, man. Well, I think it helps too is that Gear is such a I mean he's obviously a good actor, but he is, he's just very, uh, how, how do you, how do you put it? He's just where the movie is. So like, um, crazy in its style. He's definitely not like well, the, he's kind of just Richard gear, Richard you know? gear in a movie. That's about something paranormal. Actually, he grounds it because yeah, exactly. That's what he, I was trying to you say. believe him. You believe him and his mm-hmm. skepticism. You would like, well, if he believes something, you believe something. I think right. he's got an authenticity and a kind of an authority to him as an actor that just gives it so much extra value. Yeah. And there's like a dreamlike quality to this movie. You know, Richard Gere doesn't know what's real. A lot of the times Um, the audience kind of doesn't, you know, it's, it's, you know, and then the ending is, you know, obviously (laughs) that's, you know, it it builds toward that ending, which is, it's kind of a weird fit to this movie in a way, but I still like it anyway. And I will uh, say also that one of my favorite actors is very bad in this movie. Will Patton? Yeah. I don't think he's bad. I'm not a fan of his performance in this movie. <sighs> he's got an errant nose hair in this. Did you notice that? I didn't, man. I need to rewatch it now. Yeah. Nah, never mind. Because this, like so many others before it, was a mm-hmm. film that suddenly became not free to watch. I know. We had to rent it on iTunes. It was, we free, make it on it was free a week ago. Yeah. I have a feeling now that there is an algorithm that tracks... <laughs> When people begin to watch something and then put it away and knows to rip it off a of free viewing and make Do it. Do you own this movie now or did you rent it? I rented it. Yeah. Honestly, um, if I bought it, you may not have, you may have just seen just my legs hanging at the top of the frame. <laughs> which would have been weird because that meant I would have logged into this and then killed myself. Cause of death bought the Mothman prophecies. A bridge. Um, all right, far. let's talk about the cast. We talked about old Richard Gere. We have Laura Linney in here, who we both like. Will Patton, who you just mentioned. Alan Bates. Alan Bates up in here. Lucinda. Jenny, have you heard of her? She's in a lot of stuff. She plays Will uh, Patton's wife yeah. in this. But that's about it, right? There isn't a whole lot of... There's that guy who plays Gere's friend at the newspaper who we've seen a lot of over Yeah, the he years. was... The, I, I wish I remember. He was on um, Justified, and he was on um, uh, Sex and the City, like, uh, for a while he's got a really kind of a, a fun voice and he's got a, he's very energy like there's a good energy to that guy yeah he's got like a kid like voice i don't remember his name but he's a pretty good actor but his character in this is like the safest person out of anybody on screen he's back at the office and he just checks in with richard gear every once in a while but it's coming in today buddy or at the, be- at the beginning of the film you think he's sort of going to be a big part of the story mm-hmm. and he's not Oh, and Deborah Messing in this? That's right. I forgot to mention her because she is, uh, she is, um, she is, her presence looms large in this film, but her character 
is uh, exited from the film pretty early. That is David Eigenberg. That's our character okay. that we're talking about. But you know what's funny is there's another, there is a role of his. I feel so bad for him though. Why? Uh, he, he doesn't warrant a filmography link on his Wikipedia. Oh. You know, that's that's kind of unfortunate. You should earn it. I mean. Sure, that's his name? It doesn't sound familiar. Tim. Yeah. Is he on Insta? I got to check it out. I'd love to follow him. Yeah, you, they say he's best known for his work on Sex in the City. But there's something else, and that's why I was kind of hoping it would. He was in Justified, like first season. No, nah, I don't care about that. I mean, I love Justified, but I don't care about him on Justified. That doesn't mean you're just mad that I remembered it and you didn't. No, I don't. I don't. I, we're a team. I <clears throat> we well, we rise and fall together. So uh, let me tell you. So this movie is produced by Lakeshore Entertainment, and I got a little Lakeshore backstory. All right, let's hear it. So when I was important to people, um. I used to go on a lot of set visits. And for some reason, there was a stretch where I went on a lot of Lakeshore entertainment set visits in Vancouver. Okay. uh, I think they did Silent Hill and Underworld and a few other things. So I I got to know Gary Lucchese, who is one of the guys that owns it. And we kind of got a little close. And he was very, you know, he was very interested in working together on something. Mm -hmm. Didn't didn't pan out. Just wanted (laughs) to let you know. Is that the end of the story? That's it. (laughs) <laughs> Another failure of mine. But he, is he still around, Gary Lucchese? I think he still walks the planet. I would love to uh, have tapped his knowledge for the Mothman prophecies. Does he know we have a show? Let's call him live. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is um, he was old then. Yeah. So I, he's probably one of those guys that we don't want to really. Look, it's a good name. Lucchese. I have never heard that last name. So this movie starts out with Richard Gere um, hurrying home to Deborah Messing, who her first shot is she's in a shower. Yeah, butt shot. Mm -hmm. And then a steamy shower. And he Gere cannot wait to get home to her because she's beautiful, as the movie uh, says. But they're also going to house hunt because they are taking the relationship to the next step. Right. Um, it's a time of change in their life. He and, walks out on his 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 company's party to go. Yeah, he's not. Home. He's so excited to be with Deborah Messing. He, I don't know how he. It's the only way he could do it. I would never do this. He misses his office party. You know. Well, and, and, and then he does something else that you wouldn't do. What? Is hump in in a, in the cat in the closet of a house you're looking at. So yeah, they go to this beautiful house and the the real estate agent is giving them the hard hard sell. And they, you know, he's talking about how they gotta put an offer in soon because the house is, you know, it's at a good price and people are looking, they're interested. And Richard Gere says to him, Okay, well, we're gonna go upstairs and fuck in the closet. <laughs> Give us a few minutes. And so they do, they start making out in the closet, and the real estate agent finds them. He does, and they're cool <laughs> with it. And, well, Richard Gere does like a little funny thing where he says, we'll take it. And he closes the door so they can get back to uh, scromping. Yeah, I think it would be great if uh, they practice tantric sex. Mm-hmm. And the realtor comes in and goes, it has been six hours. Can you please come? I've had nine cups of coffee. Yeah. I'm done hearing Richard Gere orgasm. I've, I'm tired of, first of all, no, that he hasn't. That's what's so tantric. They are... 
extending that ride. They are Wait, you make that noise and you have an orgasm yet? Okay. Well, yeah. he's like, I'm only in second gear. <laughs> so um, I like when the real estate, uh, real estate agent knocks on the closet door and says, "Is are you guys having the threesome with the Mothman in there? You know. <laughs> Is that what's happening? So anyway, they uh, they buy the house. They they're they're headed home. Deborah Messing uh, is driving, and the Mothman, <laughs> uh, the the phantom shape of a of the image of the Mothman, uh, scares her, and uh, she starts to lose control of the car. She hits her head, and um, you know in the hospital they find out that she actually has a brain tumor. Okay, but first of all. Mm-hmm. I love the shot of her head hitting the in the glass. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice. Yes. I love the shot of the Mothman. Pretty brief. Of course. Yeah. But I need to talk. Let's talk about Deborah Messing a little bit. What's she famous for? Will and Grace. Okay. TV show sitcom. Let's talk about our favorite actors whose last name is a verb. <laughs> I mean, there's James B. Sicking, right? <laughs> like a gerund? There's Linda Hunt. You know, there's. People, okay, I yeah, like when you. people have a name that is uh, is like that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have any down. I don't have any plan. But it's just. I think a mess. Every time I hear Deborah messing, I can't take it seriously, because I have this image of her, mm-hmm. just going around a room, mussing stuff up. Yeah. You know, are there any other good like people out there that have names that are like fun actions? Tom Cruise. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, the, Deborah killed it because, like, you think about Mad Libs. Mad Libs always tells you, like, verb ending in ing, and messing is a great answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Walken. Fantastic. I can't. I mean, I'm not going to be able to be. You'd be better at this game than me. But I'm just you, thinking you, it's kind of fun. It's fun, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Sid Haig. <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing? <laughs> Although the only one I could come up with so far is Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is not leaving me any more room I mean, in my brain to come up with anything. I Charles can't. That's Dan, the you Charles know, Dance is good. That's that's you know it's past tense. I'll, I really like the ing. We don't get enough ings. Yeah, I mean, sicking is great. Even though sicking isn't isn't really an activity, it can be. Messing yeah. is fucking choice. I mean, there's got to be, but there's got to be other ing. And who who else sends an ing? That's what I'm thinking, man. Well, let's just go for ing words and see if we can attach it to an actor. Then, yeah, just think of that first rather than going the other route. All right, running, no, walking. I already did that one, yeah. sort of. Oh, Nancy swimming. <laughs> I don't. I love it though, but I do like even mm-hmm. even something like you know even if it's Charles Dance, it still sort of has that mm-hmm. you know Linda Hunt, mm-hmm. you, know? you know Bob Hope, exactly. <laughs> you know it's fucking sweet, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, then maybe the listeners can chime in and give us some. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we'll give. Let's how every time someone comes up with one, we'll give them fifty dollars. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Todd Glass. Oh yeah, that's that's not a verb. <laughs> no, but Bram Stoker. You know, <laughs> Bram. Yeah. Is there? You think there's a lot of people running around with the name Bram? It's a shame if they don't. Is that short for Abraham? 
I hope not. I hope it's just Bram. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think his career would be better or worse <laughs> if he went by Bram Ben Ruby? <laughs> I don't know. It could be worse. Okay. No, he's pretty good. He's pretty prolific, right? Abraham Abraham Ben Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's not a stage name, by the way. That's a mouthful. I like the idea of Abraham Ben Ruby and Paul Ben Victor working together. Yeah. Yeah. All I can about, picture it. All about the Bens, man. You just like. Anyway, Deborah Messing gets smashed in a car. You're right. And yeah, she hits her head, and you, and you and it looks survivable, right? Like you're like, well, that, that she has a concussion. You know, hopefully, you know, Richard Gere looks worried, but he gets her to the hospital. But then things start to take. There's a something turn. that bothers me during after the wreck. Okay. And I know under I understand. Okay, first first of all, Pellington wrote and directed this, so it's his baby. Okay. Um, and he's a writer first. Uh, mm-hmm. Richard Gere calls. You know, calls nine one one to mm. report that there's been an accident. He calls it and he goes nine one one. There's been an accident. Mm-hmm. Does he have to say nine one one? It's been an. A- he called nine one one. He says nine one one. There's been an accident. He's doing that for the viewer. That is a tell as a filmmaker. He says nine. He actually says nine one one. Nine one one. There's an axe. There's been an accident. Meanwhile, the lady's like, uh, "Yeah, I know who. I know who you called." <laughs> I didn't realize that. It sounded good to me. Yeah. Well. By the way. By the way. Richard Brake. Oh. Oh. I got one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. Oh wait wait wait. Uh. That's ah, not a good one. Um. I was saying rising Ryan Gosling. I mean, as an ING. Yeah. Or, um, well. You know what's funny though? Okay, so yeah, Dick Gear, <coughs> Deborah Messing's got a some they you know they discover in her CAT scan mm-hmm. that she's got an issue. And there's this weird kind of, you know, you know you don't know where you are in the story at this point. Is it that the Mothman put this in her? Or did right. the Mothman reveal this thing to her in her? Was this all orchestrated? Right. The funny thing I've noticed is uh, so we meet Richard Gere. He's st- he stands up his company at their party. And then we, then we flash forward several years. Richard Gere has moved on. She has been destroyed by life. She's dead as shit. He hasn't moved on. That's the he problem. He hasn't moved on. And, mm-hmm. you know, our boy is trying to fix him up with somebody. Not into it. No, he's still, he's still mourning. He's still in mourning. And his friends are like, you need to, there's no one's going to be like her but you need to have some love in your life. And Richard Gere can't, he can't accept that. He needs to, he, he's still hung up on how there's something weird. He knows there's something weird that happened in that car wreck. And he's kind of obsessed with it. In fact, there was a, um, a car burn, Nick. He noticed when he was investigating what happened, he noticed on the front of the car, there's a car burn. It's a little moth, a little mothman plasma on it. Or something. Right. Yeah. It's got some kind of, he left a little calling card, the mothman. Here's and, one of the uh, first uh, parts of the movie where I realized we we're watching fiction. Why? Because Richard Gere ain't gotten laid in three years. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> it's Richard Gere. I. They did not say that. They did not say he didn't get laid. He just didn't have. He was in a relationship. Yeah, but I mean, it's Richard Gere. If they had, if they had Billy Bob Thornton or or you know Abraham Ben Ruby playing this part, I get mm-hmm. it. But Richard Gere, that guy's a that's a specimen. 
That's a that's that's grade A black Angus beef right there. Mm-hmm. There's no way that people aren't hurling themselves at him. Right. I agree. I mean, here's the thing that bothered me. You, the 911 thing bothered you. When he gets the call, he's at home. Mm-hmm. And he gets the call that his wife, who has uh, terminal cancer, uh, so you could you, you don't really know what happened, but he gets an emergency call at night. He he he, you know, takes off to the hospital, and they show him running through the corridors, and he stops in front of like a nurse, and has, he has a scarf on. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just perfectly across, draped across his shoulders. You know, in that Richard Gere way. Yeah, you know, like he's always looks so fashionable. He does. You think that scarf would be like at least half on his, you know, what do they call it? One arm on his back. Is that what that scarf has? They call that an arms. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what the proper term is? Yeah. One arm, one fabric arm on his back, you know, one across his chin. I don't know, but it's perfect. Perfectly horseshoed around his neck. I love the fact that they added the detail of him racing through the hospital, but stopping Mm -hmm. to grab the last pizzeria pretzel combo out of the vending machine. Because priorities. And I love the... Okay, so toss up, scarf or narf, which is better? <laughs> what's, that, what's that mean? Lady in the water. <laughs> was she a narf? That's what they were called. Yep, she was a Are narf. you serious? Absolutely. Well, then narf. 100%. Every, but anyway, so he, he, looks per- he looks perfect. He looks perfect. And then his wife obviously dies. She, it's a 15-minute mark. She's dead. Right. And so then we go two years later, like you said, he he's like a reporter. He's uh, talking about a two party system. They, they throw him onto TV. They you know, he's still at work. He's still doing his job, but he's he's a shell inside. And so one night he skips another party or some he skips a date. He's like, so not in the middle of this movie. And uh, he starts to drive and then he ends up in West Virginia. Yeah. And that is, I think what, it, what it, it's like so far from where he started. And um, he doesn't know how he got there. It's just like he ends up in front of Will Patton's house, knocks on Will Patton's door, and uh, he he's immediately met with a shotgun because I, I'm going to keep saying Will Patton. I can't remember. I don't remember the character's name. Is it like Gary or something? Don't matter. He says that Richard Gere has this is the third night he's come to his door and knocked on it. Well, and I, so yeah, and of course, and Richard Gere has already defied the laws. He's like done the Kessel Run and like a parsec because right. he, he, he traveled how many miles in two hours or whatever, some crazy distance. I don't know how long it was, but he says that if he was going 80 for six hours straight, like he wouldn't have made it in the time that was allotted. Like he can't believe that where he is, he, he is, it's just, it's just totally throws him by the it's way against nature. Can I zoom in? Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia is ranked 50 out of 50 in States. You want to end a drive in. Yeah, because have you been to have you been have you been to West Virginia? It sucks. I've been there before a couple times. It's an awful place. It's also pretty though. But the people, come on, I don't know. The worst. Okay. If there are any listeners from West Virginia, click off. Fuck off. Goodbye. (laughs) Stay. Tell us why your state's great. Nick wants to know. Anyway. So Richard Gere, and that's what I kind of liked about this movie. It, it already is doing some very strange things. It reminds me a little of the scene in um, Training Day. Um, no, in the movie we did earlier, <laughs> the Carpenter movie. Remember, uh, 
where they where they go through they drive through clouds. What is yeah, that movie? Mountain Madness. Mouth yeah, of Madness. Yeah, yeah. Mouth of Madness. Or Training Day. The Moth of Madness. Or Training Day. <laughs> and so, you know, Laura Lenny shows up as a uh, as a as a cop, as the I guess the chief of police of this town. She and looks has, adorable in that little police hat. She's wearing like a kind of a Marge Gunderson getup. Like she's got the, you know, the cold weather hat on. Um, yeah, and she is obviously uh, you know, she's very authoritative in this movie. You know, she's Laura Linney. She's also very pretty. Like, you know, it's exactly who you want to see when you're at the end of a shotgun. Actually, anyway. this does feel like training day. Cause he's in a shower getting threatened in this movie. Yeah. He's like, exactly. You're right. That does have a link to training day. Mm-hmm. And did you notice the shower curtains in that scene? I didn't. The pattern on the shower curtains look like bloodstains. What are, is it moth like? Because they do a lot of things with moth images. They do a lot of that one symbol, that like one mm-hmm. like little like chicken bone thing, chicken wishbone looking kind of thing. A lot, yes. yeah. They do do that, yeah. And you know, gears power in his car when he gets to West Virginia, his his power in his car bleeps out. Did that remind you of anything? No. Uh, Close Encounters, which is kind of ties into your alien thing, right? Because remember, Richard Gere, uh, Richard Dreyfus's car in Close Encounters loses its mojo. its power. Oh, its power, yeah. And the radio kind of flickers on and off. What'd you say? It's mojo. <laughs> Does Travis Walton experience that in Fire in the Sky? I mean, did he did he make up that he did? Just depends if he had seen Close Encounters, which I imagine he did. Um, what do you think of Will Patton's Han Solo uh, style vest in this? He kind of has the. The Han Solo style going on. You think that's intentional or? I don't. Just a happy, just a happy mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't like him in this. I, I thought he was good. I love Will Patton so much, but mm-hmm. well, he's playing a guy who is obviously troubled, dealing with a lot of shit. Right. Uh, he's, I mean, number one being living in West Virginia. Right. I guess that kind of explains why he's such a piece of shit. Well, that's but, what I liked about his performances because he's totally, you know, Richard Gere is confused, but Will Patton is like confused plus zoned out. He feels. He feels like what Richard Gere is about to become, um, and I think he plays it well. I, I like to see, I like seeing his character show up in this. He's, I think he's sympathetic because he, he was he just feels like it's he's getting super fucked with, and it's not going to end well. And although he's, right. he's, he's it takes a while for him to not be a complete piece of shit to, to Gere because he really doesn't like his life. You know, he wants it. He wants to hurt. You know, his wife leaves him in this. I mean. <laughs> Anyway, all right. So, but here's here's part of the problem. Will Patton is charming, and he is so warm. And there's a he he elevates movies like Armageddon and stuff like that with his just his charisma. And he right. he strips he stripped of all of that here, which I guess you know yeah he's playing a role. But you know what? Why why hire Will Patton? He you think he's ill matched to the part. I do. You don't believe him as a as a kind of down on his luck West Virginian is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. The, you know, All right. I, I believe I buy William it. William Sanderson. Perfect. Do you think that um you said he has quite a audiobook career, right? He's a narrator. He's one, of, he's one of my top three audiobook readers. He does a lot of right. Stephen King stuff. Right. Uh, and his he he oversells his little he overplays his little voice a little bit on it, where mm-hmm. it's a little bit so crunchy. I think that's the word most people use to describe what he does. Crunchy. Yeah. By the way, I think we, um, I think by saying William Sanderson, perfect, we may have won that golden microscope. (laughs) 
So Richard Gere gets, he gets, uh, Laura Lenny gives him a ride to a hotel. And then that's when we discover the name of the town. Yeah. Big, he, big yeah. reveal of, of Point Pleasant. Mm hmm. Might if I zoom in. Mm hmm. More like Point Unpleasant. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that place is not going to have a good, uh, few weeks you know yeah. the, what's happening is all over town people are seeing an entity a, a figure a strange being that richard gears you know familiar with you know he's seen it in the, maybe the corner of his vision will Patton has uh you know has seen it and so laura lenny and richard gear start teaming up they form an investigative duo <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things in movies is when the cops start to just run around with a normal citizen trying to figure things out. Right. Uh, and that happens here. And you don't blink because they're a good combo. Yep. Not as good um, as you got out of that vending machine. And they start to kind of fall for each other a little bit. Yeah, but they don't um, oversell that whole thing. Which They don't, but they, you kind of are rooting for them. Yeah, I remember a little bit. I thought they went deep inside each other. I was waiting for the sex scene. I was waiting for him to get... Um, have a little bit of a break from his sadness and her a little bit of a uh, break from her routine. But, you know, they don't, they don't even, I don't even know if they give each other a smooch in this. I don't think they do. Now they show up in her, in their, in, in her place of living at odd hours. Mm -hmm. So maybe he does spend the night, but we don't see that. So uh, I don't, so, so they start investigating. They start talking to the oh, town. It's called a house. That's right. They start talking to people in the town. One woman says she was staring out her window. She saw this eight foot figure with red eyes. And then they cut, they go talk to this couple, this young couple in a parking lot. And then this guy goes into the story, this young man about how he's making out. And we get to the see back the girl of his car. in her Like it's like and, hot and heavy. Yeah. So he's like, you know, we were making out in the back seat. And then apparently he starts describing in detail how he's removing her pants and then, you know, kissing on her and stuff like that. And, you know, I know Sir Richard Gere and Laura Linney aren't fast-forwarding him to what's actually happened happened to them. He eventually gets to it that the Mothman, um, uh, I guess, flashes a light at them. That's when we. That's where we first hear about Indrid Cold. Yeah, that's right, Indrid Cold. What a is great it Indrid or Idrid? I think it's Indrid. Indrid, really? And I thought it was cold, but it's actually cold. Yeah, Indrid Cold. Yeah, and that's actual like. Uh, a, fi a fiction, like a figure that people, a name that is circulating, you can actually look it up. It's a, it's an urban legend, I guess, or a myth. Um, and it's, it, that's what you said. It's an attack. It's attached to. Some people think it's an alien presence, right? They, they also call it the Smiling Man, which they don't refer to it in this movie as the Smiling Man. That sounds creepy to me. It does. Yeah, I like, I like the idea of Indrid Cold being out there. You know, breaking into your phone, telling you to do shit, showing up, talking, Cre creeping on, creeping out on your uh, makeout sesh. And so then he also gives people the uh, the red eye. So he's got red eyes or at least the Mothman. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same thing, but then he leaves people with a kind of a, uh, you know, some bloody eyes. Yeah. And that's not used very effectively in this. Every once in a while they show an extra that has some eye problems. Yeah. But, you know, old uh, Pellington doesn't linger on that too much. What At this point in the movie, did you like the what he was doing with the visuals and stuff? Or nope. were you annoyed? Nope. I like it. I I, I like how this is, is made. It does remind me a lot of his Arlington Road. Well, yeah, but, um, but when I hear, like, 
I understand why it doesn't have Mothman creatures and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I just felt like there was not enough of the of the of the monster action. There wasn't enough horror horror, period. There wasn't enough of it. It was an investigative story. And it was a sad story about a guy who lost his wife, but there wasn't enough of the visceral stuff that I could. But it's ir- you have to agree. You agree that it's eerie, right? And like a little disturbing, but it's just a, it's not out and out in your face horror. Is that what you didn't? You wanted yeah. more of that. I do. Well, there are, I do there like are other the, Mothman movies that we can we can certainly watch. Well, we eventually will. Yeah. It, it, this and White Noise are soulmates to me in some respect. Yeah. And even that costume movie Dragonfly, to some extent, there's like a little crossover between these that where they're sort of major stars in 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 mm-hmm. genre films that don't push the envelope on the genre stuff probably for a reason marketability mm-hmm. and all that i just feel like I, the idea of of this getting because there is an escalation that's happening over the course of the film where you really want to get more and i don't think they ever really take it where they need to take it for it to be completely effective well i think they start to you know they focus on gear and and him kind of losing his mind, like he starts to see Deborah messing. Um, he's, he's, you know, he hears voices on the phone. That's the creepy part of this movie. He gets calls from this injured cold or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's like, uh, he starts trying to figure out where these voices are coming from. He records them and he, he goes to a sound engineer as you would. And, um, and the guy said, this is like, these are you know, electrical impulses. That might that are, be my favorite part of the movie, to be honest. What'd you say? That might be my favorite part of the movie. Well, they in that to 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 set the scene that they're he's in a sound place. Did you notice what they did? What's that? They show this guy twice, and so Richard Gere is sitting with an audio nerd, like figuring out these voices, right? But before they get to that that pairing, those two, there's another guy in the room that is playing with the rims of glasses with water in them and doing like you know circling his finger around the rim. Yeah, and he has headphones on. I, I guess he's doing some kind of sound, kind of a sound experiment that experiment that you would do when you're in middle school. Yeah. You know, like, um, and they show that guy twice. Yeah. You know? And so, um, anyway, I'm surprised Richard Gere didn't walk over there and maybe drink some of that water or something, you know, be, try to be, try to alpha dog that audio, the studio a little bit. By the way, adding to our verb actors, I looked him up. That's Angus Rim. <laughs> but that scene is great because first of all they get they they find the hidden voices real quick you know typically there's this hole where they keep uncovering layers and layers of the file until they bleed out all the white noise and then they mm-hmm. find this little scratchy voice this is crystal clear instantaneously weird voice so injured cole calls old richard gear up and he's like um, you know, do it as weird voice. And he's like telling him. So one of the things that they do in this movie is, uh, you know, Will Patton can, is getting these messages that these tragedies are going to happen. And they do, they actually take place, you know, at the equator or there's a flight that goes down. So there's like a little, there's like a warning. This guy's, he's almost like they're, you know, warning people that this entity, that things are going to happen. But, you know, this guy starts to call the entity starts to call Richard gear. And they do that one thing where <laughs> Richard Gere hides his watch in his shoe and he asks the guy, where's my watch? Uh, or, you know, the whatever this thing is. And it says, in your shoe, under your, under your bed. That's not good enough. Yeah. 
you have my, he, but he says you have my attention or something at that point. He's like, and then by he, the way, yeah, what Richard Gear? That's sort of a verby name. It is right. How do we miss it? Yeah. Um. Injured cold. <laughs> but no, the um. So then he does the thing with chapstick too. So like he's kind of in a way that whatever this this thing is is a has a little bit of like a Vegas magician quality to yeah. it. Like he's he's doing uh, crowd work <laughs> <laughs> with Richard Gere. Yeah, it kind of sucks a little bit of the horror out whenever uh, he knows that Richard Gere's holding a uh, lip balm. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like the idea of an extraterrestrial. Let's say he's an extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Not having enough respect for humans to go big. Instead, <laughs> he's like, tell you what, I don't want to tell you. I don't have the time. Just do a chapstick and I'll find it. He's like a gently used chapstick. Okay. Yeah, we get it. You you know this is 100%. Here's the thing, though. That freaks Richard Gere out. He seeks out the help of somebody that wrote a book on bullshit. You know, this Andrew Alexander Leake, which, hey, not bad last name. And um, and Andrew Alexander Leake knows about these entities, and he says to Richard Gere, they're not really trying to help. They just... They just don't care. They just say stuff that's going to happen. They just like telling you how many people are going to die. Really, they don't. They're not. It's not a warning or anything. It's just, you know, they're disinterested. They, the the thing is, they Richard Gere noticed them, and they were interested that he noticed them, so they noticed him back. It's the most, it is the most Alan Bates role, by the way. The guy yeah. who, when he finds him the first time, he dismisses him and, and doesn't want to be bothered on the phone. He's like, no, no, go away. And then Dick Gere. Like comes and finds him in the real world, and he's like, eh, "I don't want to be a part of this." Eh. It's so Alan Bates, rest in peace. But you know, you watch Mister Frost; he's sort of eh, whatever, get it. And then you watch, you know, some of all fears. He's like, "I'm Nazi," but mm, get out, and Alan Bates. I like whenever. By he, the way, uh, yeah, Alan Bates. <laughs> that would be a great name for my astronaut. Alan Shepard. That's not about that's not a bad one. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you know, he basically grills this guy and he says, What do they want? <laughs> Alexander Leek, who wrote a whole book on this shit, says, I have no idea. And uh Richard Gear uh was like, Hey, well, thanks for the help. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I came all the way out here to uh where do you go? New York City to find this guy? Um, like fake place, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's not really getting a whole lot of information from this expert. Um and but they at this and the second visit, Alan Bates says, look, something bad, if these guys are showing up in this town, something bad's gonna happen. Don't go back there. And Richard Gear says, Well I might get laid. And then Alan Bates says, Well definitely go back. Yeah, you gotta get there the trouble yeah because richard garrett like he started to form a little bit of an attraction with laura linney and you know um there's a connection it's just it, it kind of is thought as heart yeah gears you know, you know first of all gears act i guess what's the what's the better way to put it it took down it, it unlocked the cage that he's keeping his heart in there. yeah yeah is that is that better yeah it pulled his pulp out um but gears acting style I love the man. I love Richard Gere. 
But I have mm-hmm. re- it took me all these years to figure out his entire acting style. Blink hard, take a breath, and blink harder. His little yeah, but- tiny pinprick eyes, his little cute blinks, like you gotta squeeze them eyes shut. That's acting. He does it. He does it in this. He does that hard in this. His little squeers. But um still married to, is it Carrie Otis? Is he still in there? Is it is that his wife? I don't know. Is Otis a verb? <laughs> Carrie is. <laughs> uh so how did Drew you carry? That's right. Oh my god, he's got two verbs. That's true. How do you right, feel about on. the scene where he notices uh Will Patton's ear blood? I mean, I'm into it. That is no, because that is a tiny ear blood, and he notices it instantly in the middle of a busy street. How dare you? How dare you say that's a tiny ear blood? That looks like at least a medium ear blood to me. Speaking of. You want to talk mm-hmm. about the ultimate verb person, Moon Bloodgood. <laughs> there's the, I mean, I don't think there's a verb in there. She is that name though. Jeez. It's like, it's alive. You know, can we, maybe if we can think, put Bloodgood in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very bilingual, but I bet you Ken Watanabe. That sounds like it's verbing. Yeah. yeah. By the end of the show, let's create an actor with a verb last name and see who can do it the best. Like who who can make up an actor with the best. With By the, the best. way, Paul Walker. <sighs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, we, we can. We can come up with a great. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up this. What was I looking up? You made me laugh. Was I looking up Carrie Otis for some reason? Go ahead. She nailed that shit down. She's still Wild married. Orchid? To... Is that what she's known for? I think so. Yeah. Carrie Otis, American model, but she's an actress too, right? Well, if you want to. Oh, wait, that's wrong then. I think she was. she's not with Gear. She was that's Mickey Rourke? That's Rourke, yeah. Okay, so who am I thinking of then? Gear was. Well, he was. Well, there's that. I'm always. I'm usually right about this. It's so sad. I'm usually right about who they're with. Which is such a sad I'm thing to say. Somebody more sophisticated than Carrie Otis. Oh, Carrie Lowell. Never mind. Oh, but she, uh, they're done. How long were they screaming? Quite a while. He's with, um, he, he, they were together for 14 years, Nick. Is that what you wanted? He's with someone new, though. He got remarried. Is it a famous? 2018. Is it a famous? Huh? Is it a famous? <sighs> She might be a Spanish actress. I'm, I'm not going to dig too hard here. All right. Um, she, it's so strange. She's twice his age. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, Laura Lenny gives him, uh, says, like, I had a dream. It's a strange dream I that, that I was drowning. That's there the were... scene where she over at, she is crying. She's talking about floating. Lights below, lights above, darkness float. She is completely giving... This film way more love than it earns. First of all, she's not overacting. You're saying she's you think she's being too good for the scene that was written? She is she I think I mean granted, Lenny hadn't become what she is now, but she is trying to earn herself a role and Brideshead revisited in this scene. All I'm gonna say is I feel 
I'm just gonna say this. I would love to be friends with Laura Lenny. She sounds like some she seems like someone that would be a good friend. You know what I'm saying? She's like intimidating. I interviewed her good wife. chum. She's intimidating. You, she's because she's like comes off as very like smart or something. Like, why is she intimidating? Super smart. Mm-hmm. Super smart, super good at what she does, and serious, very serious. Right. Like I, I about like about I, the Mothman prophecies. Did you interview her <laughs> about this one? I, part of the problem is me because I'm interviewing interviewing her for the life of David Gale, and she, I was like, "Do you want to start a fart party?" By the way, I interviewed her and Spacey for that a shit movie where she is fully naked in an awful gross way in that movie. Why is it gross? Well, she's like, if I remember correctly, she's bound by each limb naked on a floor. Why is it gross? It's gross because it's the life of David Gale. <laughs> it's like I never, I've never seen that movie. I heard it's pretty ridiculous. It has, I was pissed off because they that, not once do you see him auditioning for Reanimator. <laughs> all, um, all of my questions to her in that interview was: Tell us more about your Venus mound. <laughs> what else did you interview her for you said you talked to her twice oh man I, I don't, i'm trying to think what other it was it was around the same i interviewed her twice within a very short period of time yeah i don't remember what the other one it was one of her other hilarious movies that she's done well she so she said she heard this thing she says uh wake up 37 in her dream she said she was swimming around with a bunch of presents and and she was drowning and all this stuff. And so that sets up the ending of this movie. And it's why we think that we can say with um, authority that the Mothman prophecies is a Christmas movie, Nick. I'm all for it. I'll get on Twitter. I will make that statement. Um, do you agree? Sure. Kinsey was the other movie. Um <clears throat> Kinsey had a lot of nudity in it, right? Nudity. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a dog shit movie like The Life of David Gale. Who else? It was Matthew Broderick. Who's in that movie? I can't remember it. Huh? Liam Neeson. Neeson. He played Kinsey. Who else? There's other people in it. Yeah. Uh, Peliquin. No, that's Kinsky. Um, Chris O'Donnell, Peter Sarsgaard, Tim Hutton, Lithgow, Tim Curry, Oliver Platt, Dylan Baker, William Sadler. Man. It's all off the top of your head. You know what's huh? funny? The funny thing is, is I, the thing I loved about that movie is the di- how much time I heard about the gall wasp. That made me. I, I was. That was so cute. Because like, because that's what he was studying. I didn't know such a creature exists, but he is really obsessed with that gall wasp. I don't even know what that is. It's a wasp of some sort, and that I don't know how that leads to him. You know, with the humping. Well, so. A lot of this movie entails Richard Gere playing with phones, ripping phones out the wall. Um, he starts to lose his mind a little bit, kind of be frantic. Um, you know, ch- he thinks he sees visions of his wife. He's chasing after them. Um, and Laura Linney starts to kind of detach from that. Like she is like, eh, 
you know, she thinks he's kind of losing his mind, even though that the town is certainly acting weird. She thinks gears out weirding the town and she kind of un I don't know. She kind of starts to pull a scully to his molder. Right. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So eventually he finds his way back to NYC, I think. Is that where he goes back to? I don't know where he goes. It doesn't matter. Some city, Chicago, maybe. I don't it's know. That's Mothman. <clears throat> and uh, she calls him home. She says, look, it's Christmas time. You need to come back. He, he goes home because he gets a message that his wife's going to call him. Right. Remember, like. So he goes home and he's waiting for this this phantom to call him. And she's like, you need to come home. And she says, you know, dinner's at six. We open presents at eight. And she's like, I'm faxing over my Christmas list. You still have time to hit the stores, you know. Um, but I don't know who she's talking about when she says we open presents at eight. Do you think she's talking about her dog, her child? Like, there's no, I don't know who she's talking about. Her, her parents? Who knows? That's a big one. Her, hu her I'm, husband? I'm glad we're talking I about it, though. The Mothman. We open presents at eight. Me and the old Mothman. <clears throat> if you had to gift the Mothman something, for example. Yeah. What do you think you'd get him? Oh, man, that's tough. Hmm. You know, I'd probably, you know, I always found the Far Side collection was a good gift for people. This will cheer, cheer you up, moth individual. I, that'd be awesome if uh, Richard Gear was like, "Hey, I got the Mothman a present. Hey, it's nice to see you, man." And then he, then he wearily rolls in a gigantic uh, bug zapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can you imagine getting the Mothman in your secret Santa? Well, now I can. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that would be so that he's a hard individual to shop for, I imagine. Yeah. Or oh, I thought worse. What if he gets you? Yeah, that's true. You know, you're he's of course he doesn't show up at the party, which is, you know, but I think it'd be kind of neat little black shiny present in the corner. Everybody's like, Oh, what's this? Oh, it's for Dick gear. And it says from the Mothman in his own little handwriting. <laughs> and he opens uh, it up and it's just like a, a living scream. It's like a scream that's taken shape and moves around the room. And then, of course, you know, Susie from marketing is like shit in her pants. <laughs> She's like dropping a wet one everywhere, trying to catch the there, scream. There's a director cameo in this. He does the voice of the cold. He does. He also plays the bartender that I think hands, I think hands gear a note. He's just quickly in the shot. Um, but on the TV, there's an, there's a journalist named Tori Paris. I noticed, nice. which I thought was a great name. Um, not a verb last name, but no, still, still solid. Mm -hmm. And the IMDb, uh, credit has the last name wrong. It's not, it's Tori like Perry or something, but on the screen it's Tori Paris. So I found that little Easter egg error. Yeah. It's a little error. IMDb, you know, Yeah, you're welcome. I found an error in the movie as well. What? It took place between the opening and closing credits. <laughs> uh, so then Gear is, he decides he is going to go spend the holidays with Laura Lenny. And he's uh, stuck in a traffic jam on a bridge. Um, and then everybody, he's like, what's going on? You know, and there's, there's like a, you know, the lights are going crazy. So everybody's confused. There's a lot of people on this bridge. 
And then in a very long sequence, very long bridge, the bridge starts to uh, pull apart and a lot of people die. Yeah. Can I tell you, there's one really violent death in there, very final destination death. But Mm -hmm. you know, what's funny is when he gets that phone call from Laura Linney Mm -hmm. to come back, you know, she's calling him about, you know, she says we could chat for 10 to 15 minutes, which is, that's very weird. What does that mean? I don't remember that. Yeah, she when she calls him on the phone, she's trying to get him to buy a ticket and all that. But she says we could chat for ten to fifteen minutes, which is I didn't hear awkward. Hmm. Nobody's. I don't think anybody's ever specified. Let's let's talk for ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember this. Does he say nine one one? No. <laughs> it reminded me of though. It's like man, that's some some stilted dialogue. By the way, you um, mentioned that Will Patton ha- ha- is fine. He's perfectly fine. We skipped over a lot, but yeah, Will Patton at one point uh, freezes to death somehow uh, in his Die backyard. Exposure, which is dies, quite yeah, dies of exposure, and his eyes are all open, which Richard Gere nicely closes for them. But you know, he, it's a it's a strange death. You know what? It's the death that that Sex in the City guy will never die of. But I think it earned a page on Wikifeet. I think he's barefoot in that scene. Anyway, so then uh, they're on this bridge. So this this bridge starts to pull apart, and they realize the whole time that this Mothman has been talking about this tragedy in Point Pleasant. This is what it is. Richard Gere, a little too late, trying to warn everybody to, to get off the bridge as it starts to come apart. Um, Laura Linney realizes there's something wrong, too, and so she's also trying to like help people. Um, and there's some great shots in this, I think. There's some nice, nicely done shots, but... You know, like her dream, she ends up in the water, floating and floating with presents. And Richard Gere uh, saves her. Um, and so, you know, she—they're uh, both at the end after all this horrible stuff happens. Where you said there's all these, you know, people dying, and you know, and there's, you know, in in the water, drowning, obviously, and getting whipped whipped apart by bridge parts. <laughs> um, at the end, they're both uh, rec- recuperating. Uh, in an ambulance or by an ambulance and Richard Gere has a blanket. He's wet and has a blanket. And so does Laura Lenny. Who do you think has the better blanketed, wet blanketed look between those Richard two? Gere. Sorry, Laura. Mm-mm. I disagree. Lenny all the way for me. So then, you know, he, they get the bad news that there are, um, I think a lot of people like 30 some odd people that died. Now this is based on a true story where I think even more people died on this in this event, um, it was a really like a bridge uh, collapse. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of, I mean, that's how the movie ends, right? Like it kind of just, end, well, how does it exactly end? I'm sure they do something weird with the. Mm-mm. Well, yeah, they f- it fades out and you see that little wishbone, that little wishbone yeah. uh, over the crime scene or whatever. It doesn't get too like, it doesn't get too like cliffhanging or at the end, like, hey, there's a sequel coming or anything. It just kind of does like a little buzzy. There's a couple of nice shots in this where like he obviously is like filming from inside a mirror, like that kind of stuff. Like it's just kind of unsettling and and I think kind of clever. Yeah, I mean, I, I like some of his shots. You're an easy mark. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I don't have much. Yeah. But I noticed that here's the thing on Wikipedia. I'm going to read to you about this because I was like, what? You know, where's this? What's what's happened with the Mothman lately? You know, in June of 2020, Nick. Mm-hmm. A petition was started to replace all Confederate statues in the United States with statues of the Mothman. <laughs> and as of July, it's garnered over 2,000 signatures. And I think after we could say 2002, right? I mean, after the show, 
Will you join me? I'll sign. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I like Good. I, I like the idea of the Mothman. I don't like it uh, being a dick and just predicting shit. I like when it flies through cars. I like that. I want more of that. So that's what I think is a little strange. Is like he that is the Mothman the same as this Idris Col- Idrid Cold? I yeah, you know, it's a little confusing. It doesn't really matter. I think he's their hype man. But the Mothman's a little bit of a creep. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You you really swung deep. Just a little bit. Yeah. He's sweet. Yeah. But yeah, they never made a sequel. It seemed like they were going to. Mm-hmm. But you say that there are more Mothman movies out there, which excites I mean, and delights me. We should do an off-brand Mothman movie. Now. We should see how the legend holds up in other people's hands. Off-brand you know? Mothman. I like the way that comes out. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'll throw you a bone. We'll do it at 200, episode 211. Yeah. Off-brand Mothman. <laughs> what did you say? 200. 200? Yeah. So it's not that's a while away, at least. Yeah. It gives me time to prepare. Well, how old will we be by then, you think? That's not working. 50s. No. no, it's... it's No. 58? No. Man. Oh, my God. We're going to be there next year. We fly, man. You figure 54 months in a year, right? Right, is that the right number? I think you're as you zoomed in. Yeah, yeah. We we'll burn through that. We'll get there quick, man. So uh, let's do the work. Yeah, uh, we do another perfect episode. Uh, you're you're at the tattoo parlor, uh, Mothman's yeah. tats, and you're there, and he's drilling into somebody, and they leave, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> then you walk up, and he's like, "All right, you're next. What what Mothman tat you want on you?" You mentioned the far side. I did. So I would. (laughs) You could just kill this. Like, I'm just going to. I already apologize. I want to get a picture, like a little, you know, one frame comic of the Mothman just creating havoc in the background, like in a room, you know, doing its thing. I don't know what he could be doing. Just like, you know, unhook, you know, kicking a phone. I don't know what he does. (laughs) And then Richard Gere's like, he's facing, he's facing the, uh, kind of the camera, you know, they're facing us. And then the caption reads, he's like rolling his eyes and the caption reads, must be his time of the moth. <laughs> Where are you going to put this tattoo? I mean, just center chest. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not killing it. Actually highlighting it. Um, Guess it's his time of the moth. And I think, I was I was struggling with it as I laughed because I was like, "Is that a sexist thing?" But the, I'm just going to say the Mothman is a man. Yeah, and I'm reclaiming that that horrible phrase uh, and twisting it for this monster. So yeah. what you're saying is, if Mothman had a Twitter handle, it would say uh, the name would be at the Mothman Prophecies, mm-hmm. and it would say, and then it would say like location Point Pleasant, and it would say he him Mothman, right? Oh yeah, well the because he, I was saying his pronoun would be, yeah, I see what you're saying. Because I, I, I gave them a male, yeah, okay, assigned him that yeah. pronoun, sure. So mm-hmm. I got a tat like tote, I got like on the palm of my hand, like the tote has with his little burnt in raw, yeah, from Raiders, whatever. right? Yeah. yeah, except I've got Deborah Messing's cat scan there. I think in these COVID times where it's all about fist bumps and non-committal contact, I just raise that cat scan up. High f- check it out. And the, and this guy's like messing messing skull. And we high we high 
with high head. Be incredible if you ever met met her and and like went to shake her hand. You showed her your hand and you went, huh? Yeah. Huh? You know where this is from? I bet you she does. You think so? Yeah. She, you know, she. There's a photo of her that figures in into this uh, little little cleavage shot. Yeah, she's in a bathing suit, but they they use that picture a lot. Hey, Gear is yeah. carrying that around forever. In this. Absolutely, putting it on his mirror. He's like he's got one picture of her. Period. Yeah, and you it's know, on his. on the countertop when he's yeah when there's nothing mm -hmm. else in the house. Like he is totally into that photo. If I was Denver messing, I would use that as a profile pic. Yeah, just because it's just it'd be a fun end joke, you know. Well, she's not in a lot. She has. She has had quite a career. She's still on. Early. I mean, I don't know if they stopped making it, but she, they, you know, Will and Grace returned. She's been on TV quite a bit. She was in some movies. She was kind of. I think she was kind of a stage actress too, right? Is that correct? Singer, maybe. I'm sure. You know. Although, what what a missed opportunity that she didn't get abducted. You know what I'm saying? Why? That missing. Oh. I mean, like you just. Yeah. It it, it writes itself. You know, you put on a milk carton, you could just say messing with her picture and people get it. And they also get she needs to be found. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gotten that tattoo. Um, all right. So, hey, you've been given uh, the, uh, the the financing to do your own sequel to the Mothman Prophecy. You got budgets for days. You can do whatever the fuck you want, man. And it's 2020. Yeah. We need it. I'm going to do the Mothman Legacy with Jeremy Renner. Okay. So, you know, it's like a cycle. <laughs> You know, and he's so close to a verb last name, by the way. <laughs> so close. <clears throat> yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's it's the Mothman legacy, and it's cycle with Jeremy Renner, and he's playing this character, the same character he played before. You know, and he's out in the woods, and the fucking moth person shows, and he has to deal with it, and less successful. <laughs> yeah, less successful than this. Less successful than this, and also less successful than the Bourne movies. And, I, yeah. and he finally, like, he finally whips Mothman. So what he does is he's going through a wavefall of one of his songs, uh, and he and Mothman's in there, and Mothman <laughs> is crestfallen right. to be associated with it, and it falls down. <laughs> so I would be my my character, my uh, sequel would my sequel would center on a, a character that was doing. It would center around the events of the Mothman prophecies, right? It's the Butterfly Man prophecies, and this poor monster with lesser powers, and and, and comes to town uh, to try to create his horrors, or his or her horrors, you know, its horrors, and is getting overshadowed every time you know he tries to do something like flatten a tire, you know, wake up a dog, so the dog would like bark up, you know, in the middle of the night. Yeah. This the Mothman is just totally creeping everybody out. Like the, his his tricks become cute and kind of like people crave the stuff he's doing as a form of normalcy. Right. So he in a way he becomes kind of a hero, the Butterfly Man. You know, and every and then you think he'd like that, but it just makes him angrier. And the angrier he gets, the more stuff he does, it just becomes cuter. And eventually, he's elected mayor of the town. But then he tragically passes when somebody's. Uh, fingerprint grease gets on his silken wings and he dies. <laughs> I just I'm like, wonder if like are you? It's not good. Are you? It's not good at are this. Are you part. as anal as I am about getting that fingerprint juice on the wings of a beautiful moth or butterfly? You mean worried about it? 
I get so yeah, I get pissed off if somebody even comes close to because you know that's. I don't see you have such a thing for bugs. Like yeah, I mean, one of the first things I knew about you is you hated anybody that would harm a bug, and um, or you didn't hate it. You just thought it was so unnecessary. And obviously, I don't do that either. But you really, that really bothers you. So I never really think about this. This is something that you actually occupies your mind, huh? I don't know if I'm. I believe the 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 hypes that the you know all the big the hype that's put, been put out there by by Big Moth. Mm-hmm. But I have this like fear. I hear that when you get your fingerprint oils on their wings, they're, they're dead. Like it's basically a, a game out, game out on that for that piece. <laughs> I remember this coming up at the debates a lot recently between so, the two candidates. Yeah, and I always felt like that's weird that your Achilles heel is just my finger, my fingerprints. But it's like yeah, right. I hear that the oils from our from our meat like kind of just fucks their shells. So I, I, I'm always careful. Like, and I love touch. I love when they land on my finger. I love touching them. I love looking at them, but I, I just don't want to murder them with my. You love touching them, but you're afraid that you would kill them. So you, do you not touch them then, or do no, you? No, I let them crawl onto my finger, and that's where they're. That's when they're in charge. And then their weird little proboscis unfurls onto my fingertip, and I'm wondering, did I just lose? Maybe, maybe this is great times for a butterfly and a moth because people are washing their hands so much. Maybe this. Maybe they're dying less. From that kind of a uh, touch, right, from that right. kind of disease, uh, you know? chemicals is better than our fingerprints. The chem- I don't know, man. Maybe this is the only everybody else thinks this is a horrible year, but those moths and butterflies. Like this is what's so wrong with twenty twenty? This is great. Well, actually, the bad thing is, is more people are going out and walking around and, and frolicking in nature, which is, mm-hmm. by the way, their domain. So maybe they're encountering encountering more of us. You you can tag that with a zoom. <laughs> All right, so you're in the film. You're in the Mothman prophecy. Right. You're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky you. What what shape does your performance take? So I'd be a character that volunteered <clears throat> after the bridge collapse. You know, everybody's down. You know, doing the dirty work and you know trying to do a rescue mission, trying to find recover bodies, or trying to help people that are trapped on the the, the bridge. And I'd I'd volunteer to go into the water. Um, to help people too. <clears throat> That's my character. But really what I'd be doing there was just <laughs> gathering the floating presents up <laughs> and having me self an early Christmas. Uh, that's great. But um, I'd have a big net with about, you know, 40 to 50 gifts. And uh, they'd be like, what's that guy doing? I'm like, I'm just, no, I'm just clearing the water guys. Don't worry about me. Yeah. You know, I'm making it easier for you guys to see what's happening down here. Yeah. I'll get this big gift out of the way. Post credit. Oh, don't worry. I'll take I'm gonna stuff this stuff into my car and take it back to the station. Post credits. Domino shows up at your door. You answer the door wearing a pink bathrobe that says JRM <laughs> embroidered on it. Your name's Carl. And they're like, oh, what the fuck, man? And you're like, just give me the fucking pizza. And you walk away and they look and they see you got like two stereos. What the fuck? Who has two stereos next to each other? And they don't work because they're all wet. That's true. <laughs> they're destroyed, but I don't care. I'm putting rice on them. I'm trying to do something, yeah. you know. But yeah, I got I got sop- I'm the guy that gets grabs the sopping wet gifts out of the water. That's great. But that's me. I'm what? sure. Did I ever tell you the story about when my mom was the bookkeeper for a sanitation company? No. So in the early '80s, listeners are going to love this. Listeners in the early '80s. I mean, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, early eighties, my mom works for the sanitation company and um, she's their bookkeeper. And they're, it's, they're really, they're like, they're nice people, but they were really kind of low rent. And um, so she would do all the shit. Anyway, she, she, my mom used to wear this awful purple sweatshirt all the time. It was gross. It was starting to get tattered. She'd had it forever. Anyway, mm. trashes it. Good luck sweatshirt. Yeah. She liked it. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. And uh, 10, 10 months pass. And uh, one of the guys is coming to uh, get uh, their checks. Dude's wearing her purple sweatshirt <laughs> that she had thrown away months previous. Wow. Is that as, is it a, as a tribute to her? No. Or he just didn't know. Those guys apparently were rifling through all the trash. Wow. And gathering shit. So you mean she threw it out at your house? Threw it out in the trash, just normal trash. Put it at, at your house? Yeah. And he just happened to be wearing it. Yeah, at when he came to our house. Whoa. Now that is... It was fucking weird. First person I ever knew named Alvin. <laughs> oh. oh, we didn't come up with we didn't come up with our character yet with the verb. Should we wait to the very end? We'll wait to the very end. So I am a huge skeptic about the Mothman. But I'm mm -hmm. also a good business person. Okay. So what I do is I have a Mothman. I've fashioned a Mothman costume. Because I don't believe he's true. So I am going around, sneaking around in yards and pooping on doorsteps as the Mothman, like doing rat fink stuff. Yes. And I am just sneaking around the yard, making Mothman kind of sounds and smells. And, uh, you know, because people are obviously it's big business. People are loving. They're all freaked out about the Mothman. But I am fake as shit. And I'm walking I'm walking around all that haunting uh, with the Mothman costume. And uh, eventually I'm caught on camera tiptoeing through somebody's yard, you know, with my, you know, I got my sandals on. I'm like tiptoeing through and uh, I'm exposed as a fraud. <laughs> I mean, and I set back Mothman investigations years. <laughs> villain, <laughs> huge villain. Yeah. How do they find you out? I'm, they, I showed up on their security camera, tiptoeing through the yard. Yeah, I'm, they didn't. Did they catch you in the act of taking dumps on people's? No, stoops? they don't catch my shit. But they they do catch me tiptoeing through the yard, and my Mothman costume is basically uh, I've got a cowboy hat with ears on it, <laughs> cut off jeans, and a shirt that says Mothman, and it's an arrow pointing up. <laughs> <laughs> and you set back investigations. Oh huh? Well, you know, because they, they they threw all their they threw all their energy into interrogating me and put me in. <clears throat> and and then I'm in prison and I get one call and it's Indrid Cold. <laughs> you call him? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. He he doesn't need help with the wave file. He's fucked up. Turns out I might be more real than the Mothman. I mean what? I'm gonna ask you this real quick. Do you believe that the Mothman's real? We didn't actually go over this. Do you actually believe in the Mothman or no? I haven't done enough research into their work. Let's make a pact right now that we believe in the Mothman. Just just to say it, that we believe it's true. Please just agree that the Mothman's real with me today. All right. What about how do you feel about Indrid Cold? I already, I don't need your help. I love it. I'm I'm gonna finally figure out if it's Indrid or Indrid. It is Indrid. What do you think? You got you've been you know the bank has approved your loan to create your own Mothman prophecies related business. Yeah. Huge opportunity. Shit came out of escrow. You're ready to rock it. What are you gonna do? Oh my god, I forgot about the business. 
I don't know. What about you? Do you have I'm any idea? Have a very quaint tea room. You know, only open from 8 a.m. to noon. Is there any other kind? <laughs> very quaint. You're right. There's not a lot of death metal tea room. So I'm there, and I, it's a beautiful place. All the doilies are Mothman shaped. Mm-hmm. You know, the music is all Mothman, like scribbles and scrapples, and little voices hidden in. And everybody's very demure. The biscuits and the and the scones are very Mothman, and it's very sweet. And um, you go in there, and the and this genteel old lady slowly takes you to a table, sits you down. She briefly discusses the history of the Mothman with her own okay. personal stories mixed in. So if you know if Ethel's working, she'll talk about the time that she was mowing the yard because her husband was super sleeping, and the Mothman zoomed through the lawnmower. Or you know if Beatrice is there. She'll say, "You know what? I was, I was in the shower. I had the uh, the old loofah on the old, you know where, and the Mothman zipped into the water and planted it." <laughs> and you'll and you'll you know uh, what'll happen is you you go in there and you have to you have to join their mailing list and all that and mm-hmm. and to the and you have a little tea, little mm-hmm. you know you get to pick the tea. They bring it out, little Mothman packets, and that you sip it and little quaint music and then when you leave they send you a, a disgusting voicemail from ingrid cold ingrid cold because they've gathered your your data sneakily and then mm-hmm. you're instantly on in ingrid cold's complete spam list and they <laughs> destroy you with it <laughs> yeah that sounds good. and it's funny because he's smart he knows he, he like you'll look at your phone it'll, it'll show up and, and the call will the caller id will say not the mothman so of course you're going to answer it He's mm. like, got you, and he shits all over your phone. My business would be I'd have a hotel that um that would have a Mothman theme to it a little bit. It wouldn't, you know, it'd be a normal hotel. <clears throat> but my, the honeymoon suite would be based, of course, around the Mothman prophecies and be the most expensive experience, you know, that you can have in my hotel. Um, and it would be as a little a little Easter egg, a little wink wink, it would be like uh, room 22 would be the honeymoon suite. And that's kind of the hotel room. He's he, uh, Richard Gere stays in this whole time uh, during the movie and has been point pleasant, but you'd go into the honeymoon suite. It would be completely furniture list, which I believe is a word. Mm-hmm. There'd just be in the middle of the room, be a closet. Okay. And then you open the doors and it's just, there's nothing in the closet, but a black floor. Okay. The end. That's the honeymoon suite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the there, uh, you know, that's it. Then you know, maybe a little. I maybe the one thing I would do is I put a little moth shaped mint in the middle of the floor, <laughs> <laughs> a little to to kind of stir the romance up. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um. And then there'd be a sign you can hang on the door. that says, do not disturb. We fucking, you know, or something like that. But yeah, that, that'd be it. That'd be my business. Site. It'd be, a, it'd be the whole <laughs> prophecy experience. It really would. Uh, yeah, it'd be great. See, I, although, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what you should do is have, there's no bed, right? Hmm? There's no bed. Everything, there's nothing in there. It was just like the beginning of the movie. It's just completely, like I said, furniture list. No bed. I like the of idea of, of the honeymoon suite, but they go in the closet, and that's where the ripping happens, you know, like in the movie. 
That's what I said. That's I said that they. I said that all this. You weren't listening to me. No, I'm saying like, but I'm. You have to get like. I did. You don't re- rewind the tape, and then I didn't give. If you pay extra, I'll have one of my uh, staff come in and midway th- through the scromp, he'll rip open the closet doors and throw a cardboard cutout of Richard Gear on top of you. And then what you should do is you should have a mint like in the middle of the room. <laughs> I said all this. <laughs> I, I, this I know this is going to be a good one that the listeners will love because you zoned out during it. It was two minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> you, there's a reason. <laughs> I had to discover that Will Patton's name is Gordon Smallwood. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's, that's what I was doing. I was trying to frantically trying to find his name. Well, so you have retreated to an island. Uh, you have gathered debris of all sorts from different features. Uh, it is a bountiful place with millions of stories. Um, and you are required to bring something from the Mothman prophecies to this place. What would you bring? I bring my retirement plan from this movie. I don't know what that means. I struck it rich. Okay. Hmm? I bring the mini recorder he uses in this. <laughs> Remember those that with the cassettes? So my, my, I just had to give mine to my son. He's obsessed with it. Now. Guess what? What? Those things are worth money. For real? Yeah. Because there's not, they don't make them anymore, I don't think. Or at least they, you know, they're going, I try to, because I have a bunch of little mini cassettes. I was going to go back through them to see if there's anything to keep. I, mine don't work anymore. So I was going to buy a new one. Can't, you can only buy digital ones, the old ones that play those mini cassettes. <clears throat> so that'd be my retirement plan. I'd be walking around and I'd have, I'd create like a, like I don't know, some kind of you know, ba- you know, barrier around it, you know, security system, you know, sharpened sticks and stuff like that, so no one could get it. It's like my little treasure of my island, that mini recorder. You know, try not to get any sand in there. Keep the batteries outside of it, you know, so they won't rust inside of it. Things like that. That's what I would. That, I would get that, and hopefully Richard Gere's voice is on that too, because I like to go to sleep to. That. I like the idea of you on your island, comforting, pacing it. Talking into the thing, day two hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Today I discovered, you know, ants. You know, whatever. You, mu- you must be crazy because I'm not really going to use it that much because that is my retirement plan. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to devalue it. That'd be great. You you leave the island with it and you go to you know some like Sotheby's and they're like, we will give you eighty six dollars for it, and it fell short of your plan. You know, <laughs> eighty six dollars is a lot of money. I don't know what you're talking about. Those things used to cost not very much money, and now you now it's like a hundred. So people are selling for more. The mini recorder. I have a lot of those little tapes. What would you put on your island? I know this is all stalling. Oh, um, ooh, that's a good verb name. Don't forget the don't forget the chapstick. If you think about dry lips, I gotta take some great from the Mothman prophecies. My island is getting my island is getting sweet. I'm gonna take that unplugged phone. Oh yeah! I'm gonna have that unplugged phone in my in my bed, and I'm gonna just pray, you know, pray that in, Indrid Cole calls me. You know, I'm gonna have that yeah. phone, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna cover it, and I'm gonna like nuzzle with it, and I'm gonna look at you know, baby it. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna cuddle that like like mother's teat. <laughs> the the disconnected phone that Richard Gear rips from the wall. Yep. 
that yeah, one. Will be- so are you are you gonna are you gonna bring it all? Are you gonna bring the wall part? No, too? no. The, I just got the disconnected phone, and I and I'm gonna worship as if yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have that there, and I'm and just literally pray that it rings from injured Cole. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And then you know, and then you know, my luck, damn thing, finally rings. Can I speak to Georgie? <laughs> Oh, do you have your actor with the your made up actor with the oh, last make name? Make one up. I thought we had to think of a real one. That's no way to think of it. We could make one up. All right, cool. Do you have one already? Danny Panda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Helen Shaver. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I'm gonna Lou Diamond bathtubbing. That's pretty good, right? (laughs) It's not bad, yeah. (laughs) There's a stone brewing, can you see the birds take their hiding place? The paper comes, the latest one Wind blows to the page with your name Stolen moments of a lonely guy Now there's something itching in my eye Stolen moments of a lonely guy
Carrying weight, stick a pin in and let it drain. 